the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Tucker Carlson last night delineated the use of the government to arrest and suppress otherwise people affiliated with Donald Trump. We have never had this in American history because we have a government run by the left and the left always, I emphasize always, there is no exception, uses state power to suppress dissent and opposition. Liberals vote for the left, but they don't do that when they're in power. The left does it. My suspicion is that the liberals of your family, and I mean liberals, not leftists, the liberals of your family have no clue as to what is happening. They do not believe that there is a left-wing threat to the country. And the reason they don't believe that is that there are two reasons. They consume media that do not tell them that, and that's all they believe. And they don't want to believe it. People do not like to live in a state of cognitive dissonance. To devote your entire life politically to the Democratic Party and then to realize that it is becoming like a Communist Party, I mean that literally, uh, that's too painful. You end up, and you should all read the book, The, The God That Failed. I think it was published in the late 1940s by people who had devoted their lives to the fight for communism and socialism and then realized that it turned out like the French Revolution to be simply a way for people to murder human beings. We're not yet at the murder stage, we're at the arrest stage, but one would think that that would suffice to scare a liberal, but it doesn't. Donald Trump scares a liberal, Christians scare a liberal. I read the New York Times and other left-wing sources regularly. The, The latest target is not the white supremacist. It is the Christian. There are articles regularly and comments by left wing Democrats in power about the 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 predominance of 
of Christian nationalism among Christians. And then they will bring up a, a few quotes generally of, uh, of right-wing politicians saying that this is a Christian nation and we need to return to our Christian roots. Well, to be precise, it would be interesting if they said it's a Judeo-Christian nation, which, by the way, I think they should say because it, it is true, and truth is always good and sets you free. The founders were profoundly Judeo-Christian. They saw themselves as establishing in America the second chosen people, not supplanting the first, but in addition to the first, being the Hebrews, the Jews, the Israelites. Jefferson and Franklin, neither of whom was a Trinitarian, but who were profoundly affected by the Bible and believed in it, they actually designed a great seal of the United States, and it depicted the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews, you pick the term, leaving Egypt. It is too bad, really sad, that it was not adopted as the national seal of the United States. But it, it, the, So I'm just commenting on what the ideal comment would be uh, of these people. Uh, nevertheless... I am a Jew and not a Christian, and I am not afraid of these Christians who say these things. What, what, is, what is so bad about it? Are they going to do with police what the left does? Let me ask you a question. If you're forced to choose, okay? In fact, you should ask this question of your liberal brother-in-law and everyone has one, apparently. If you were forced to choose between a, a nation run on Christian principles or a nation run on left-wing principles, which nation would you rather live in? Is that a fair question? I, I, I think I should go public with that. Well, I just did go public with that, just for the record. But if we were forced to choose, because clearly the New York Times and the entire left wants us to be governed by left-wing principles of equity, diversity, and, and inclusion, a country in which God is essentially absent where religion is mocked, where people are shut down for saying things that the left differs with, for embracing the removal of sexual innocence from children, you name it, you literally you name it, and you will see that the left has ruined it. So. If that is my choice, a nation run on Christian principles or a nation run on progressive principles, I bet you there'll be a lot less suicide in the first, among other things.
So that's the latest target, the latest bogeyman. Christian nationalism. Back to Tucker Carlson, he enumerated the names of lawyer after lawyer associated with Donald Trump. FBI handcuffs. What did uh, what did the FBI do to John Eastman, whom we know very well? They, uh, did they, in a, in a, in a, isn't he in public? And and they they handcuffed him in public. Did they handcuff him? Okay. They, right. If somebody had said that I would be reporting these things, if just five, ten years ago, certainly. How many of you see some videos of the 1970s, let's say, or 80s, and you realize what a different era, how unburdened by the hatreds of the left the average American was when you watch this stuff, that people were free to say what they wanted, that people didn't care who you voted for, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, big deal, let's go to a ball game. The ball game did not have the initials of a hate group on the mound, and the BLM is a hate group. If there's such a thing as a hate group, BLM is a hate group. Yesterday I was thinking, how many ball players who took a knee didn't want to, but did so out of pressure? And I have no, I don't have any answer. But if you know any, it would be, it would be good if they said, I did it, the pressure was so intense, but the truth is, I did want to stand for my flag and the national anthem. You realize if you take a knee during the national anthem, among the many things you are saying, is that those who died in World War II fighting for America and liberty died in vain. The Marines who planted the flag on the Japanese island, the most famous photograph of World War II, they were somewhat foolish, weren't they? Or were they white supremacists raising the flag of white supremacy, not of liberty? Dennis Prager here to share a product that can help keep everyone more healthy, Cofix RX. Most of us know that viruses of all types are a part of life. What we don't always know are the right products that could be protecting us. So I'd like to tell you about Cofix RX and its doctor-approved secret ingredient. As a safety measure, many doctors and nurses have been using iodine to swab their noses for decades. Iodine has been in use since 1811, and 96% of us are iodine deficient. Using Cofix RX antiviral nasal spray with povidone iodine is a smart way to stay healthy. Cofix RX is made right here in the USA. It's simple to use. You spray it up your nose and the iodine destroys germs and pathogens where they multiply in the nasal cavity. Check out CofixRx.com, that's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com, for a retailer near you, or use the coupon code PRAGER for 20% off at CofixRx.com. I increasingly now subscribe to 
good independent journalists. I paid them, you know, I paid the money. Not everybody can afford it, but most people can. When you, life is habits, bad habits and good habits. So once you get used to, let's say, subscribing, I did Substack the other day. What did I pay for? I paid $60 for a year. Was that for Berenson specifically, or was that for Substack? No, it's for each each one. For each one? That was for Berenson? Only for Berenson. Interesting. All right, anyway, I, I want to support him. I don't agree with everything he says, but he does great work. When you get in the habit of doing that, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. It, it, it becomes easier. The first time you do it, it's rough. The fifth time, it's effortless. That's the way life works. By the way, that's true for bad things, too. The first time is usually difficult. The fifth time is very easy. We are, as the saying goes, creatures of habit. Minneapolis Teachers Union says white teachers will be laid off first. This is from the Daily Mail. A new contract between public schools and the teachers union in the city of Minneapolis is causing outrage because it may see white teachers laid off at the expense of teachers of color. The stipulation is part of a new agreement starting in spring 2023 between the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers and Minneapolis Public Schools ending a two-week-long teacher strike. Just think of what the left has done to teachers. You hear teachers' union and you think thugs. And that's what you should think. That is, that is appropriate. Sweet people very often. Sweet thugs. People who do the most damage don't wear horns. They don't have a sign on them I am ruining this beautiful society. The new contract says that while teachers subject to layoffs or relocations will typically be done based off seniority, they may go outside the order to avoid doing that to a teacher who is, quote, get this language, a member of a population of underrepresented. Yes, member of a population underrepresented. The contract states, the district shall deprioritize the more senior teacher who is not a member of an underrepresented population in order to recall a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers. Christopher Rufo tweeted, this is the inevitable endpoint of equity. Of course. Inevitable. That's the key word there. On Fox News Hannity Monday night, contributors Leo Terrell and Clay Travis, so if this is August 15th, what is today's date? The 16th? So this is, uh, so this I guess was, well, yesterday was Monday night. Contributors Leo Terrell and Clay Travis both hammered the agreement. Terrell, a civil rights attorney who is black, said, it's racist. 
It's discriminatory. It's illegal. It should be invalidated immediately. I read what the union says. They said they want students to have teachers that look like them. Wrong. The students need teachers who will educate them. Educate, not what they look like. Did you ever fully follow, it has to look like you? You don't relate to it if it doesn't look like you? You know, I, I grew up an Orthodox Jew. I'm still religious, though, though not as not quite as observant as then. I, I am quite observant, but not as. I just say this for the sake of truth and dis- full disclosure. But anyway, I grew up in an Orthodox home where, in which we wore the Jewish skullcap, the yarmulke. And I, I remember thinking there was not a single textbook that I used that had illustrations in which any any of the figures wore a yarmulke. And I remember thinking, so what? <laughs> the majority of Americans don't wear a yarmulke. I thought this is, a, I don't know, third grade, fourth grade. In one of the first reading books of C-Spot Run. So in that sense, nobody looked like me. I didn't give a, I didn't give a damn. Do you realize how immature you have to be? How how spectacularly petty? Oh, my teacher doesn't look like me. Really, that matters. My doctor has to look like me. The 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 doctor who performed the the. Long, I had a seven-hour surgery many years ago. It was unbelievably successful and unbelievably difficult. I remember the doctor telling me right afterwards that he was actually perspiring. It was so hard. He had a fuse, few discs in my upper back, or I would have been paralyzed in my left arm. It was 100% successful, and he's Asian. He doesn't look like me. It's 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 actually laughable that I would care. Yes. His name didn't sound like mine, and he didn't look like me. So what? The American attitude is, is revolutionary with regard to that. So what? The left thinks it's important. Rising interest rates, stock volatility, out-of-control inflation. People are concerned about what the future holds financially. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. There's no better time than the present to move a portion of your IRA into precious metals. Gold and silver IRAs are more popular than ever, and dealers are advertising heavily for your business. You should know there's a right and a wrong way to set up your precious metals IRA. Mistakes could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in IRS fines. Nick Grovit. Man, I completely trust. Owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion has agreed to send you a concise report about how to set up your IRA and how to get the best bang for your buck. Nick and his team will be happy to help you set up your precious metals IRA or review your current account. Call AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694 for your free IRA report and all your precious metals needs. AmericanFederal.com. That's AmericanFederal.com. 
Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. In studio with me is a man running for Attorney General of the state of California, Nathan Hockman. He is running on the Republican ticket, which is a, an act that some have called akin to kamikaze, except that the kamikazes achieved more. So, first, it's a delight to have you. Uh, by the way, Nathan Hockman served in, as a lawyer, correct, uh, in the, was it the Attorney General's office, the Department of Justice, under uh, George Bush? Yeah, I was, the, uh, I was the Assistant Attorney General in charge of the U.S. Department of Justice's tax division. Well, I'm going to ask you about 87,000 new agents in a moment. That's a big deal. Certainly. It has now come to pass that it can be said that in some cases, the attorney general of states, uh, these people are, are more uh, significant at, at this time, even than perhaps a governor. What do you think of that? I think that the attorney generals, especially in California, have enormous power that most people don't appreciate. So, for instance, as the chief law enforcement officer under the California Constitution, the attorney general has the right to go into any one of the 58 counties. And if he believes that that prosecutor, the DA, is not doing their job, the attorney general can actually take over that case, which is the insurance policy on George Gascon. In other words, if, the, if George Gascon has a blanket policy that he'll never bring a gun enhancement when a gun is used, or he'll never bring a gang enhancement when a gang member is part of the crime, the attorney general can literally come into, the, into that jurisdiction, take over the case, and have the California attorney general's deputies, in essence, run the case and push off, push to the side, in this case, D.A. George Gascon. Well, that's a very, obviously, it's a big deal. You can't fire them, but you can take over their case. Correct. Right, okay. So a vast number, unprecedented number of people signed to have him recalled, and now they've been, it's been invalidated by the L.A. County, which did not allow any observers to watch the count outside of those that they appointed. Any comments on this? Two different comments. The first is that now that the, uh, now that the appellate rights kick in, the recall movement will get access to the approximately 190,000 signed petitions that have been invalidated. They can go through those petitions and see the compare the reasons for the invalidation against what they're actually seeing on the signed petition. They then can go into court, if necessary, after an, uh, uh, trying administratively, to say that there is an additional, in this case, 47,000 ballots that are valid. And if they can prove that there are 47,000 additional petitions that are valid, they will hit the 567,000 number, and the recall will be instated. Out of curiosity, do you think there were 190,000 invalid ballots? What I know from the recall is that they actually pre-qualified a huge number of those ballots. By that, they had a company that actually knows what a valid ballot looks like, looked at the ballots that were coming in, and pre-qualified the one. So in other words, if you didn't write the full name Los Angeles, if you just wrote LA, that would be invalidated. But the, the company that pre-qualified it would see that, send it back to the original signer of the petition, and say, please write out Los Angeles. So do I believe there's 190,000 signed petitions that are invalid? Or in, in, invalid? I don't. Uh, do I hope that they can find 47,000 more on this appellate process? 
Absolutely. And what I know for absolute sure is that if I become the Attorney General, I can go ahead and do for all the people who signed these ballots who have such issues with George Gascon, I can use the power of the California Attorney General's office to come in and reverse the policies that he has done that are so dangerous and destructive for Los Angeles. Is that a big part of your campaign? In Los Angeles County, it's a huge part of my campaign. We have fed off the groundswell of people who, look, who answer this question in the negative, which is, do you feel more safe and secure today than you have in the past two, four, six, or eight years? I'm sort of cribbing from Ronald Reagan circa 1980. Mm-hmm. And the answer as I go up and down the state is no. I don't feel more safe and secure today than I have in the past. And we've seen this in all the major pockets across California. I mean, that is the reason that the most progressive city, San Francisco, recalled the most progressive prosecutor, Chase Boudin. The fact that we have at least 520,000 valid signed petitions in Los Angeles County, which is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. We have 37 cities that have filed no confidence motions against the DA. Before that, we've had zero. We have a huge groundswell across California of people who feel unsafe and insecure. In fact, it's polling as a top three issue for the first time in 20 years. So I'm going to channel that frustration, that fear. What's your website? I'm after break, but I, I want people to contact you. Certainly. www.nathanhockman.com. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the store, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at My Pillow found that out around 2006, and towels changed forever. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. And that happens to be true. I use them. They are all made with USA cotton, and they come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. Six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths. Regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels, by entering the promo code Prager, or call 800-761-6302 for these great radio specials. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. I hope it's back to. I want to remind you that if you don't hear all three hours of my show and you would like to hear them, or even again, or send them to a friend, and do so even without commercials, go to PragerTopia.com. PragerTopia.com. That's Utopia with a Prager. I'm not quite sure what the intention of Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice was to do the unprecedented and send federal agents into the home of, of the last president. I'm still not sure. The only thing that would seem to make sense is that they're just trying in every way possible to indict him. And I don't know if that would would work, it might work in a Washington, D.C. courtroom, but 
That too would, be, of course, be unprecedented. It is the actions of a dictatorship, of corrupt, corrupt dictatorships around the world where you use the government to uh, persecute your political opponents and especially the last leader of the country, such as the inability of people on the left to accept that he was even president, twice impeached for no good reason, cheapening the word impeach. Everything that had any sanctity to it has now been dragged through the mud. American Medical Association, the word impeachment, the media. It's quite a quite a, a dark force, the left. But what they are doing is increasing Donald Trump's popularity. They are making it almost impossible for him not to run, because if he doesn't run, it might be perceived as a victory for his uh, persecutors. My position, as you know, has been that he was the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln, and I didn't want him to run again in two years, because I want the issue to be the left and not Donald Trump. I'm open with all of you. Half of you don't agree with me. And I appreciate that fact. We both have good arguments, and only God knows which is correct. Of course, if he ran, if he were nominated, I would passionately campaign for him, as I did last time, and then watched him begin to turn this country around and indeed make America great again. That's basically what he did in office was start a process of making America great again because the left doesn't believe it was ever great and would like it to be worse. So what they're doing is ensuring that he runs, and I I don't quite understand why they would do that. This is so corrupt what is happening before our eyes, and yet it doesn't bother 1% of the liberals of this country. The only liberal I know whom it disturbs is Alan Dershowitz, whom I had on last week. That's a good reason, again, to go to PragerTopia.com. You can hear that interview without commercials, just if you subscribe. Incredibly, it's almost free. I think it's 5 to $6 a month. But your access to the show is is unlimited. And again, commercial-free. You can hear that, you should hear that hour with Alan Dershowitz that I did last week. There's a liberal, and of course, his lifelong liberal-slash-left friends have abandoned him. He doesn't defend Donald Trump, he defends the Constitution, and he defends the Bill of Rights. That is Dershowitz, and that doesn't matter. He was in the same arena as Donald Trump, and that invalidates his humanity. There is a derangement syndrome. I want to warn conservatives that we should not have a derangement syndrome in the other direction. Their derangement syndrome is they don't think clearly because of the name Donald Trump. They stop thinking clearly, they stop thinking ethically, they stop thinking Americanly. They are preoccupied with their hatred. 
So on the other side, though obviously not as dangerous, but still a danger to to the fight against the left, which is the most important thing we can do to save this country, is a similar preoccupation with Donald Trump out of love, not out of hate. Donald Trump is not the primary issue. It's very important. Like I was just speaking last hour to a Republican running for Attorney General of California, a man named Nathan Hockman. Go to his website. He made a very good impression on me. Sober, thinking, rational, good man. So he did not vote for either Democrat or Republican in the last two elections. I would, I would say that it was a derangement syndrome on the part of a Trump-supporting Republican in California not to vote for him just because he didn't vote for president in those two elections. That would be a form of derangement. Is it better to have a George Gascon, Chesa Boudin supporting attorney general than to have a, a, a Republican attorney general? We can't be deranged either. People think with their emotions. It's one of, apparently one of the greatest battles in life is to think rationally. This is not, not an attack on anyone. It's a statement about the human condition. And I certainly, uh, I, I, I'm aware of it when I see the world around me. If you're rational and decent, you know that the left poses a mortal threat to America. That should be your preoccupation. Not Donald Trump, either pro or anti. And again, if he's nominated, I will do everything I can to support him. But people are not the issue. Issues are the issue. What is being done to your children by teachers, by teachers' unions, and, and, and not just what is being done in school. The Boston Children's Hospital, I haven't covered that. I think did. I think others have covered it on their shows. Are you aware of that at all? Yeah. Is that is that that's in last night's uh, send it? Give put it on 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 I am again. It it is. You put it again. Yeah. yeah, Chamber of Horrors, right? Yeah, Boston Children's Hospital. Boston Children's Hospital touts gender affirming hysterectomies for adolescents. Boston Children's Hospital, because it's in Boston, it's a sick city, really, really, really sick. Doesn't doesn't appear in the news except when the, with the Red Sox, but it's it's a very sick place. So is L.A., so is San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, big cities in general. But Boston is is particularly awful. It is the home of so many universities. That's part of the reason it has such awful values. Boston Children's Hospital, where I wouldn't send my child, uh, 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 and, and if I lived in Boston and, God forbid, my child were ill, 
they are they they advocate the removal of a teenage girl's uterus. That's what a hysterectomy is. The surgical removal of a healthy uterus in a healthy young girl, because she says she's a boy. Boston Children's Hospital offers what it describes as a full suite of surgical options for transgender teens and young adults. Teens. Sharing a video earlier this year proudly detailing what a gender-affirming hysterectomy entails. An April video posted to the Boston Children's Hospital YouTube channel feature Features attending physician Francis Grimstad, MD, MS, Division of Gynecology, detailing what she described, that's a shocker, a female involved with this, as a gender-affirming hysterectomy, which the hospital is evidently open to performing on minors. Sean, I am going to put up a a video for you from Boston Children's Hospital. And folks, bear with me for one moment. Because this, uh, I will be hearing it for the first time with you as it happens. Copy link location. There we go. And now we move over to Sean. It's amazing what one is able to do these days. Okay, Sean, it is now up and your I am. This is a Boston Children's Hospital one minute, actually 48 second video. This is the place that uh, advertises that your minor daughter, your teenage daughter can have her uterus removed. We'll be happy to do it if she says she's a boy. Do you have it, Sean? Oh, you're doing it so that people could see it as well. That's true. At the Salem Podcast Network. Yeah, I got that wrong. Salem News Channel. Yes, Salem News Channel. You can watch me if you want. But I'll tell you what you should watch while we're waiting for Sean to put this up. Dennis and Julie. And by the way, it's up today, correct, Sean? Oh. Audio is up now, video later, videos at YouTube. And if you should send any of them, we now have more than 20. I do one podcast a week with a 22-year-old girl slash woman. She is a phenomenon in my, my belief. Our dialogues are unique. They're, they're so human. It's called Dennis and Julie, the Dennis and Julie podcast. And it, it, uh, something I, you should send to any young person in your life. They will be immediately fascinated. A 50-year difference between two people. Hmm. And it is remarkable. Dennis and Julie, Boston Children's Hospital. So I'll continue reading to you from the, uh, from the site, uh, where was the Breitbart, correct? Breitbart had a uh, had a piece on this. Boston Children's Hospital prides itself on offering an LGBTQ affirming environment for patients 
expressing commitment to, quote, providing comprehensive and affirming treatment to our lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer patients and families. Queer. There's a medical term for you, right? Queer. Further, the hospital's website features a section devoted to its Center for Gender Surgery for Children. Boston Children's Hospital, which offers gender affirmation surgery services for eligible adolescents and young adults. The hospital touts the surgery center as, quote, the first center of its kind in the U.S. in a major pediatric hospital setting. Congratulations, Boston Children's Hospital. The first place to advertise that it removes girls' healthy breasts. So in other words, if your 10-year-old daughter says she's a boy, you go to Boston Children's Hospital, they don't first say, you know, you're actually biologically a girl, and you may, be, you may believe that whatever issues you have in life are related to to your being a girl and therefore would be alleviated if you became a boy. But in general, that's just not true. And it is worth working on making peace with the fact that nature, or if the girl believes in God, which is unlikely, God made you a girl. No, they don't say anything like that. Oh, you're 10 and you think you're a boy? Well then, let's work on that. Let's work on making you a boy. Boston Children's Hospital. What is the what is the quote? I have it in front of me. Everything that exists deserves to perish. That's it. That's the one that Marx quoted from Faust, from the mouth of the devil. On more than one occasion, I think I have noted that the last two and a half years have had such an impact on me. The ease with which people can accept a police state is an example. The cowardice of most religious figures in, in their lockstep obedience to irrational secular authority. The, the, the ability of, of the state to force people to get a vaccine that is not a vaccine. It is now admitted it is not a vaccine. So one of the things that it's done is made me entertain the possibility of the existence of a devil. I've never believed in one. It's not a Jewish belief. Satan is mentioned, but it's really just a... uh, a figure that is in, is, is in opposition, as it were, to God in the book of Job. But an independent force of evil contradicts Isaiah 45, 7, which says God is the author of good and evil, or at least good and the possibility of evil. But when I see what's happening, it's hard to explain a lot of this evil that that comes from nowhere 
and has no point but destruction, like Marx, who believed in the devil. He loved the devil. Everything that exists must perish. That is exactly the motto of the left. It explains everything, including Boston Children's Hospital. I I fully admit that my favorite part of August is talking to Prager Force members around the world. August is fundraising month for PragerU, and I, I want you to understand some of these spectacular young people and I don't use these words easily, awesome, spectacular, whatever. I don't even I don't use awesome almost ever, actually. But they're very, uh, very impressive. And it gives you hope for the future, which is very important, because I told you, and this is really shook me up when I read it, as in this, I'm doing my fourth book of my Bible commentary. And one modern scholar wrote a line about about one of the events in the book of Numbers that I'm dealing with, and he said, despair is a sin. Boy, did that, that really shook me up. It's become one of my mottos. Don't despair about America, fight, fight for it. Or put it this way, despair on your own time. So the anti-despair Prager U, and especially Prager Force. So I have a young woman, Lindsay. How do you pronounce your last name? It's a Balif, but if you want to get technical, it's Balif because it's French. So. Oh, good. Do you speak French? Uh, only a little, not very much. <laughs> well, you are in Panama City Beach. Is that right? Is that the name? Yes. Uh, is that is that uh, is that the, the 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 Central Standard Time area? Where is it? Yes, it's in Central Standard Time. Yeah, so you're, you're near Pensacola. Yes. I know where you are. You know, it's the only part of Florida I have not been to. It kills me. I got I got to get there. Anyway, uh, Lindsay, how old are you? I am 23, and I'll be 24 in about two weeks. Happy birthday in advance. So you could see Lindsay at the at the uh, Salem News Channel. I got it right. There you go. You could see the whole show on the, if you want to watch it as well as listen. So Lindsay, you are uh, a a doer. <laughs> you make things happen. So tell uh, tell my audience what you're working on. I am working on a ton of things, Dennis. Um, I am trying to get back to L.A. because um, I lived there for about a year and a half, trying to be an actress. Um, I started a Prager Force Filmmakers Club, um, which we are working on starting networking uh, calls and supporting each other's films. And we have an Instagram page for that. And I'm also working on, I kind of want to make my own nonprofit to help the artists of tomorrow who just want to make non-woke happy, good stories that mean something and aren't, you know, as nasty as what Hollywood's doing right now. So, you know, yeah. not, non-woke and happy are synonymous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the, woke, the woke are miserable. That's one of, one of their characteristics. This is awesome. So does it have a name? Can people visit it? Uh, it's 
we, we were calling it United League of Artists, and right now it's just a website, and we are vetting people and putting them in, and we're going to have, like, networking, we're going to have a bunch of other things, and I actually started it with a Prager Force member that's been there for about four years, uh, Stan Alger, so we're actually dating as well, so Prager Force also helped me find a boyfriend. <laughs> Boy, if that doesn't encourage people to join Prager Force, nothing will. Because it's not easy to find somebody today. And and, and with with Prager Force you have kindred spirits and generally bright people. So it, it's a it's a terrific thing to do. When did you discover Prager U? Um I think during the pandemic because I was kind of a quiet actress, you know, just didn't want to stir the pot or anything. And I just started researching, and then also Will and Amala kind of helped me get the courage to start speaking out, and the rest is history. And then I found Prager Force through that. That's beautiful. So the, something good came out of the lockdown for you. Something, oh, yeah. something really good, actually. Are your parents conservative? Yes, they're very conservative. I'm, I grew up, well, I'm still Mormon, but yeah, they're Mormon. So we're very conservative. Wow. By the way, you still say Mormon, not LDS. Uh, yeah. I won't, rep- I won't report you. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. I, I have very close Mormon friends, and this is an interesting issue. So we're, I'm going to come back to you in a moment. Folks, during, uh, during this break, please help us help uh, this country. Don't despair. Just help the fighters. PragerU.com, 833-PRAGERU. It's tax deductible. Whatever you give helps. I just want you to know that. Hey, everybody. It's the Ultimate Issues Hour, the third hour every Tuesday on the Dennis Prager Show. Circumstances have vindicated my decision to devote an hour to what I call Ultimate Issues which is now, I don't know, about 15 years. Would you say we're doing this about 15 years? Oh, you could tell me exactly? Good. Because we're doing the happiness hour for 23 years. So, yeah, I would say about 15. Why have the last few years vindicated it? Because if you have a clear understanding of the macro, you will understand what is happening in the macro. For example, uh, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of examples, but one example is that power corrupts. It's an example of of an ultimate issue. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Not my line, Lord Acton's line, I think 19th century. And that's, that's an explanation of the world, whether it's the World Economic Forum, the European Union in Brussels, the staggering expansion of American government. These things produce corruption. People not being basically good, understanding that helps you 50% of the way to understanding life. If you think human nature is essentially good, you're a fool. You may be a sweet fool. You may be a well-educated fool, which is most fools are well-educated. And I've met sweet people. 
who believe that. But in that sense, they're a fool. Because it's the opposite of wisdom is to be a fool. People believe, most people believe what they want to believe. So anyone who believes human nature is basically good wants to believe it. I don't know why you want to believe it. All it does is set you up for disappointment anyway. People are basically good, and then you, you walk into a fist. If you have a realistic view of human nature, instead of being disappointed all the time, you're happily surprised all the time when you meet wonderful people. Anyway, that's why we have an Ultimate Issues Hour. Today's Ultimate Issue is the ultimate issue of my life, the consequences of secularism. So I'm going to put it to you in a new way. I came up with this line one week ago, or ten days ago. This is my, by the way, I regard my radio show when I was going to say this is my, and stop, this is my moral and philosophical laboratory. This is a human laboratory, my radio show. And it is to any of you who listen. The ability to interact with so many people from so many backgrounds has really helped me forge my outlook on life. I have a leg up on every other person writing on these issues with regard to how many people I have interacted with. I have honed my ideas on this show. Between writing and and the show, I, I think I have produced important stuff like my Bible commentary, the Rational Bible, which reminds me to remind you. Now let me get the, what is the date I'm going to... Uh, Washington, D.C. The next volume of my Rational Bible series is coming out. And here, I'll I'll just have to look here, and I will tell you, because it's an event you, you would really love to go to. And it is, yeah, October, whoops, October 2nd. Sunday, October 2nd at the Museum of the Bible. The book is officially, that is the official launch date. It comes out a week later. But we're going to have it available for you then. A big uh, VIP reception, a talk that I will give on the book, and a free tour of the great Museum of the Bible. And the link is up at DennisPrager.com. That I am happy to promote. Be a beautiful day. Bring your family. Museum of the Bible on October. I just said it. So many dates in my brain. October two, Sunday. It says October third. Oh, then I blew that. Really? Let me see. Oh, yeah, I'm wrong. It's Monday, October 3rd. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. October 3rd, Monday. Okay. Now you know. That's the launch at the Museum of the Bible. Glad I rectified that. Yes. 
Okay, today's subject, ready, aim, fire. There is no secular solution to evil. You can call in right away and tell me why I'm wrong. There is no secular solution to evil. There are gigantic secular causes of evil. Communism, the greatest genocidal movement in history of the world, was secular. Is secular. Secularism has a really good name among the well-educated, and the well-educated are the people who disproportionately supported evil in the 20th century, specifically communism. By the way, by the way, a lot of well-educated people supported the Nazis too. The intellectuals in Germany were not exactly anti-Nazi. So there were no there were no secular solutions to evil. That is today's ultimate issue. Name one. See, there are only religious solutions to evil because they provide an ultimate they provide an ultimate source for good and evil. See, if there is no God, there there are only opinions about good and evil. God doesn't say murder is wrong. Murder is wrong is an opinion, not a an, not an objective reality. There is no moral objective reality if there is no God. It's amazing how this is controversial to so many well-educated people. It shows that you truly, and I mean this literally, one is not taught to think or how to think. It doesn't take... Uh, a, a a great mind to wrap itself around the fact that morality is p- personal opinion if there's no god that's it I, I don't i don't know why that's controversial you think murder is wrong is great society thinks murder is wrong also great even greater but it doesn't make it wrong society thought slavery was right didn't make slavery right now you'll say, well, there were religious people who thought slavery was right too. You're right. I know that. The, but the anti-slavery movement was founded by religious people. That's also true. The fact that a lot of religious people are moral wastes is a fact. Nothing guarantees goodness. Nothing but there is no the statement that there is no secular solution to evil remains the uh, the truth name me one this country the united states of america which did more good for humanity than any other country in history tell that to your left wing friend you won't know what you're talking about Especially if he or she went to college or graduate school. The United States did more good? Unheard of. Back in a moment. 
the Ultimate Issues Hour on the Dennis Prager Show, third hour every Tuesday. There are no secular solutions in the final analysis to evil. This does not mean that secular people are evil. There are many wonderful secular people. There are many rotten religious people. I've always said that, and the people who oppose what I have to say either misquote it or don't quote it. But i it's just a fact. Truth is really what does set you free. That is the truth. But there is no secular solution to evil as we are now finding as the West drifts into moral chaos, and especially the English-speaking countries for whatever reason, Canada, New Zealand, the UK, and the United States and Australia. The drift in the United States toward evil is really astonishing, toward the use of government to suppress dissent, a general suppression of free speech for the first time in American history. It dwarfs anything that happened in the McCarthy era. There's much, much... uh, greater assault on free speech today. And it all emanates in the final analysis from the secularization of society. God, belief in God does not guarantee goodness, but the death of God guarantees evil. Get the difference? That's a big difference. In the final analysis, people need to believe that there is a God who wants them to act good. The conscience alone doesn't do it. Almost every person who commits evil has a clear conscience. Conscience is actually, in most people, pretty weak. The combination of God, reason, and conscience is the best combination to make goodness. That is, nothing guarantees good, but that's your best way. Reason and conscience and God. And that's, uh, that's not what we have today. We live in the age of the irrational. I played for you an obscene video from Boston Children's Hospital at the end of my last segment, a video they put out telling you that your toddler, your near-birth child, already knows in some cases that he is a she or she is a he. You're a toddler. That's pretty bad stuff. When a hospital affiliated with Harvard University advertises that it will remove a, a, an adolescent girl's breasts, healthy breasts, because she says she's a boy, you know that you have entered the world of evil. These are the best educated, the most secular, the only opposition to the abuse of children that this involves 
all the almost the only is coming from religious, uh, from the religious world. That's what I mean by there are no secular solutions to evil. There are good secular people. One eight Prager seven seven six. All right, let's see here. Cleveland, Ohio, Bob. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Hey. Hey. Uh, did you hear that uh, Sean Connery was uh, uh, given the responsibility of blowing the ram's horn at some of the uh, ceremonies in his uh, in, in his uh, uh, <laughs> his synagogue? And, I didn't uh, know Sean Connery went to a synagogue. Apparently he did, because and then somebody came up to him and asked him, How, well, what do you think of it? How do you, are you enjoying your uh, responsibilities? And he said, show far, show good. Oh, boy. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll move on. My, <laughs> that, anyway. For those who didn't understand, the ram's horn is the shofar. So this was a punning joke. You sneaked right. it in. I can't do I anything it about it. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, anyway, my position, Dennis, and contrary to yours, is that any solution to evil or anything else must be a secular one in that all solutions to pernicious conduct must originate in the thoughts and feelings of a man, whether they're informed by religious thinking on top of it, uh, religious beliefs, or beliefs from any other belief system. Fundamentally, thinking and feeling and the coordination of all of those are a, are a, are secular in nature. Hmm. Therefore, what so let me just ask you. All right, I'll ask you one question. Uh, uh-huh. If you had to bet, that's the best way I could put it. If you had to bet a serious sum of money on two people, and the only thing you knew is one believed God said, "Do not steal." and the other believed in no God, and you had to bet that one of them is going to steal items from a store, which would you bet is more likely to do the stealing? I wouldn't make a bet until I inquired about their thinking, either one of them. Right. So, in other words, you would flip a coin. If all you knew, you're changing the question, and that's fine. I I just want to make it clear. If you, the only thing you knew about two people was what I told you, you would not no. bet on the one who thought God said, do not steal. No, not necessarily. No, no. Okay. Given my 30 years of working with people and in their thinking and, and mm-hmm. their feelings, and, and uh, I, right. I would not, I would right. not make a guess. All right. Listen, thank you for calling. And I mean that sincerely. That's why I took your call first. I remember when I asked. Pearl and Sam Oliner, O-L-I-N-E-R. These people wrote a book on altruism, and I am fascinated by by goodness because it's so relatively rare compared to evil. Talking about great goodness versus great evil, and they studied rescuers of Jews. They were sociologists at Cal State Humboldt. They studied rescuers of Jews. They themselves were secular Jews. It's important to understand secular. And I asked them, if you could go back during the Holocaust, World War II, let's say Poland, and you were a Jew, which they were, 
and you could knock on one door in the hopes that they would hide you, would you knock on the door of, of a lawyer, a professor, or a priest? I'll tell you their answer. <laughs> Ah, caught you off guard, folks. Yes, indeed. DP here. Dennis Prager. The ultimate issues hour. No secular solutions to evil is the theme. We need a combination of God, conscience, and reason. God alone doesn't... Nothing guarantees, but your best chance is a God demanding good reason, understanding that in its approach to God and the conscience. Look, Abraham argued with God. The first monotheist, the first Jew. And that's a proof that we need conscience and reason as well. Anyway, I will tell you the answer to the question I posed to these two professors who studied people who hid Jews at the risk of their lives during the Holocaust. I said to them, so if you could go back, they were secular, back to Poland during the Holocaust. It wouldn't have mattered. It could have been Germany. It could have been Hungary. It didn't matter. And you could knock on one door in the hope of being hid by a non-Jew, being hidden. Would you knock on the door of a doctor, a lawyer, a professor, a priest? And both said, and both are secular, were secular, they both said the priest. Not that every priest would do it, but they had a better chance. These secular people with the guy who believed in God and in the Bible and the Ten Commandments. That's that's what I would I would knock on that door too. All right, let's see here. Joshua Woodland Hills, California. Hello. It's actually Woodland. Oh, I blew it. That was my error. I added Hills. The screener said <laughs> Woodland, but I never heard of it. Where is it? This is twenty minutes north of uh, Sacramento. Huh. All right. Now I learned my lesson. Thank you for calling. Um, yeah, no, I just heard you pose a question to another caller uh, about stealing. And uh, wait about about what? I'm sorry. About stealing. About feeling. Stealing, like theft. oh, stealing. Okay, it's it's not coming through clear. Okay, about yes. Go ahead. Yeah, you had posed uh, if you knew one thing about them. Uh, what was it again? Like, if I if I only knew there were two, one thing, one believed that God commanded do not steal, and one did not. Um, couldn't you pose the uh, the idea that the person who believes that God said that you should not steal, that he could just repent, he he could just steal it anyway, and then repent after after the fact. Right, so you're posing that as 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 an uh, as an argument for 
it doesn't really do that much help because people who believe in that God also believe that they could repent after they steal. Did I get you correctly? Yeah, yeah whereas the other person, you know... Right, ju- just for the record, okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a very, actually it's an important point you raised, but in a lifetime of dealing with religious people, I never met one who said, you know, knowing God will forgive me, I will now steal. I don't think that that'd be something somebody would actually admit to, though. Uh huh. I see. But all right. So in your in (laughs) no no that's fair. So in your view, though, that constitutes a significant enough percentage of religious people for you have to made that point. No, I I I mean I think it's a very simple thought experiment that doesn't really kind of play out. But I think my main main concern was that. That secularism cannot fight evil, and I, I don't believe that's true because, um, I mean, there are very there are many secular belief systems. I mean, humanism is one of them, but uh, you can do a lot, derive morals from all kinds of philosophy and pick and choose. You don't have to actually believe in a god to get morals. I never said you have to believe in God to be moral. That's important that I correct that. I never said that. I said that there are moral, secular people. I'm talking about... Oh, yeah, I heard that part. Okay, so fine. So so then your point, then you you don't need God to be moral, is not relevant since you heard me say that. There are moral people who don't believe in God, but there there is no institution... There is no secular institution or philosophy that combats evil as effectively as religion. We are living through that now. The left is destroying the West, and the only opposition of any intensity is coming from religious people. We are living it, my friends. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.